This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE announces hiring of Jackie Redman. Impact Wrestling announces new title, and I take on Rochester, New York. I give my thoughts and tell you the story of my night at AEW Dynamite in Rochester, New York. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. WWE has hired sportscaster Jackie Redman. It was announced today that Redman is joining WWE to work as the new co-host of Raw Talk and Talking Smack. She'll work alongside WWE analyst and the Bump co-host Matt Camp. Redmond commented on joining WWE and being a fan of the sport, quote, As someone who grew up on Stone Cold Stunners and Rock Bottoms, I cannot even begin to explain how excited I am to join WWE, Redmond said in a WWE press release, quote, There is nothing quite like the WWE universe, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to engage with the most passionate and dedicated fans in sports entertainment every week on Raw Talk and Talking Smack. Congratulations to Jackie Redmond. That's a heck of a job to take on. Both Raw Talk and Talking Smack, uh, because those are, I wouldn't call them groundbreaking shows, but those are shows that uh, sort of walk the line of uh, kayfabe and and real, in a sense, where uh, people get to cut promos and storylines get to be molded out of Raw Talk and Talking Smack uh, from a perspective that they wouldn't be able to from uh, on Fox and on USA and from the main WWE programming, so... They do a really good job raw talking, talking smack, and for her to now be a new voice of it, amazing to see. Impact Wrestling announces a new title in last night's episode Impact Wrestling uh, of Impact Wrestling. The Impact Digital Media Championship was announced as the company's newest title. A single elimination tournament is set to begin next week to determine the inaugural champion, which will be primarily defended through the promotion's digital social media and Impact Plus streaming service matches will be on tuesdays and wednesdays on impact plus then they will be appearing shortly after on youtube ultimate insider the finals will take place at bound for glory on october 23rd that's coming up towards the end of the month here now that we are in october so happy october i apologize for not putting on an episode yesterday um it's tough coming back from a wrestling show and then the next day having to watch that show over again take notes and then produce a podcast product out, especially with school and everything like that. So, but I'm still here for you. I'm still here for you. That's all I want to make sure that that I get that known. I'm still here for you. I'm still going to review Dynamite from Wednesday, and then I'm going to give you my full um, thought of how it was being in Blue Cross Arena uh, after the break. So, uh, right now, let's get into some AEW Dynamite from Wednesday. Uh, Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy opening the show. CM Punk on commentary. Uh, he came out to open the show completely. As soon as the show opened, it was Punk's music, which got a lot of people excited. Also, given the fact that uh, AEW Dynamite was in Rochester, New York, this is the hometown of Brody Lee, Rochester's favorite son, and uh, Brody Lee uh, obviously passing away back in December. Uh, this was a, I wouldn't call it a tribute show to, to him, but this show is definitely in honor of Brody Lee. Brody Lee signs everywhere uh, in honor of the late great legend. All right, opening up the show, though, Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy. Another banger to open up the show, which is fun to see. Uh, you, we saw last week on uh, Dynamite, we saw Omega and Brian Danielson open the show. Now you have Adam Cole and Jungle Boy. Bangers of matches opening the show. Like These are, are pay-per-view, ma- you know, pay-per-view matches that are opening shows. So really, really nice stuff there from 
AEW. Great visual early on of Jungle Boy looking down at Adam Cole after a shoulder, shoulder block. Uh, Cole slowing down the pace of the match. Jungle Boy fighting back with suplexes. Jungle Boy dives to the outside and is reversed by a kick from Cole. Cole taken down by a fantastic Hurricane Rana from the apron down to the mat uh, below. Fantastic Hurricane Rana had a pop out of me and my boy John who went to the show. Panama Sunrise from Cole, but Jungle Boy kicks out. Another fantastic visual of Cole looking at Aubrey Edwards after Jungle Boy kicks out of the Panama Sunrise. Almost the look of awe on his face and the look of awe on Aubrey Edwards' face after the kick out. Mule kick between the legs of Jungle Boy, dropping him down to his knees and the boom from Cole to win. The match, very fun match, very, very fun match. We're going to hear a promo later from MJF talking about the pillars of of uh, AEW and uh, Jungle Boy being one of those pillars. And he, he proves it night in and night out every time that he gets into the ring. No matter who he's going against, he's going to be able to put on a fantastic match. Jungle Boy and Adam Cole, a fantastic way to open up Dynamite. And uh, I, I really, really enjoy Jungle Boy and what he does in ring. Uh, both of their entrances are just so immaculate from a crowd perspective. They really gets the crowd going. Uh, Cole, obviously, mostly because he's uh, new to the AEW scene, and people enjoy doing the boom stuff, you know, from in in AEW arenas. And Jungle Boy from the beginning, uh, and even now with the the new music that was put onto him uh, a few months back, uh, fantastic job from AEW to get uh, obviously Jungle Boy over with his entrance, and now Adam Cole as well. And that music, as we I mentioned in the past, topping charts for itunes so you know it's no slouch there i don't go topping charts that in music after the match the elite come out in support of adam cole and they cut a promo carl anderson back after missing grand slam cole said i told you so i told you so that he was going to be jungle boy omega gives credit to danielson after last week's grand slam but wants but does not want to give him a rematch uh, given the fact that Daniel Bryan has uh, literally has no record on AEW at the moment, uh, given the fact that there was a tie between him and Omega. So um, no record for, for Bryan, and Bryan will not get a rematch. But Bryan Danielson enters, and of course he's wearing his white shirt, which uh, he, he said that he doesn't feel like selling people anything, so he wears his white shirt out to the, to, uh, the ring. And uh, Danielson calls in the the reinforcements. Uh, right before he does that, he calls. Uh, he says that Kenny has no balls. Kenny has no balls. He doesn't have the, the the cojones to go and give him a rematch for the AEW. Well, it wasn't even for the AEW championship. Just to give him a rematch in general. But Kenny no balls chants start from the crowd, and those were loud. Those were very very loud. And then looking back on it on TV after watching it again, uh, they actually piped it down because it was too loud. The <laughs> the chants from the crowd. So. Uh, they, they definitely toned it down just a little bit, but the Kenny Noballs chants were rampant, rampant in Rochester. Danielson calls in the reinforcements of Frankie Kazarian, Christian Cage, and Jurassic Express. The elite scurry out of the ring as uh, the elite killers, if you will, uh, enter and try to attack. But move on to our next segment because uh, even though that was very fun, uh, we'll, we'll hear more about that after Rampage. Dante Martin and Matt Seidel versus Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson. Rhodes' relationship with Arn Anderson may be fractured. That was the note that I had at the top of this match, given the interactions that they had with each other throughout the entrance and how the match started. Rhodes just jumping into the ring and getting the match started right away without going underneath the game plan of Arn Anderson. 
show goes uh, to picture in picture in the middle of uh, high spots from Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, which is sad to see. Because even you know, even though it's picture in picture, they have have it there. Uh, you know, the picture in picture. I fast forward through it because there's no real reason for me to watch picture in picture because you can assume that if you really wanted, if they really wanted me to see it, they would have it full and not in picture in picture. That that's the oh, the best way I can describe it. But being obviously at the event, I was able to see this, and you know, this was the high spots of all high spots for Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. So shame that was in picture in picture on program. Uh, Dante Martin, always phenomenal in ring, even though he was pinned by Lee Johnson, who tagged himself in this match. Uh, Martin was phenomenal. I really think he's he's some next-level stuff. I, I can't wait for him to do bigger things outside of getting pinned by Lee Johnson because that's not you know what Dante Martin should be doing. He he really put on some, some great work in this match. Post-match promo, big boos for Cody Rhodes. Cody calls out Malachi Black, but then Arn Anderson reams him out for it. Anderson says he pulls out the Glock when confronted with a robbery. This was an analogy of saying that Cody Rhodes, when Cody Rhodes had uh, his car broken into while he was in it, uh, Cody Rhodes would be like, oh, just don't hurt me. You could take the car. Just don't hurt me. Arn Anderson would have pulled out his Glock and put it at the face of the, the robber and, and uh, laid his brains out over the pavement, which is a very graphic, a little much, uh, Arn. <laughs> and definitely... He recollected it way too quick and way too natural, making it seem like he's done it before, <laughs> in a way. And, and Punk did a, had a great line on commentary is that, uh, you know, Arn Anderson definitely has some bodies in his day, but probably not with a Glock, probably with his uh, bare hands. Uh, it was just very surreal for him to say that. It just it was, there's no reason for him to go that deep into an analogy, saying that he's you know pull a gun out on somebody and shoot him. Um, there's not t-shirts out now with Ar- that say Arn across the chest, but the R in Arn is a Glock. And uh, I, th- I think on the bottom it says um, um, laying brains out, like, you know, cracking skulls of laying brains out since uh, 1982. So wild, <laughs> wild Arn Anderson. Uh, after that promo, left a lot of people just like, wow, that's a little much, Arn. And I guess he's making up for falling off at, uh, at a Grand Slam, falling off the ring apron. I guess he makes up for it with that Glock comment. Moving on to our next match. John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and Darby Allen versus Bear Country and Anthony Green. Uh, this was uh, as close as you can get to not having a squash, but it being a squash. Darby Allen with a huge coffin drop to Bear Country out the outside. Violent crown from Moxley and Kingston to pick up the win. Kingston brings in Sting for a surprise Scorpion death drop to Green. Just make everybody happy in the middle of the show. And we move on from there. The HFO are in ring, and they cut a promo before their match. Hardy says that he was supposed to make his debut in Rochester, but it got deleted. And uh, a lot of people got excited over that. Uh, It got deleted, obviously, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I believe Rochester was the first or second show to get cut due to COVID. I was supposed to go to that show from the beginning, but either way. Uh, he was supposed to make his debut there. Brody Lee was supposed to make his debut there. Obviously not, but because of COVID. But either way, making their way over to Rochester. Hardy doing a fantastic job reaming the crowd, um, working the crowd in Rochester, saying that oh, I'm glad I didn't make my debut here because that they Rochester didn't deserve my debut, didn't deserve my presence, which is funny. Um, moving on to the match, Dark Order and Orange Cassidy versus the HFO. This is a 16-man tag team match. 
Uh, negative one is with the group of uh, Dark Order, which was nice to see during their entrance. Obviously not in the match. <laughs> uh, and that was the question that I had. I had to do a head count while I was there. And we're like, oh my God, is, is negative one about to be in this match right now? Is this about to see something crazy? But no, not in the match. Um, he went back to the backstage area after uh, they made their entrance. Chaos ensues early and often with this being a 16-man tag, so understood. Uh, Evo Uno uh, leaves. He looks to leave the match. But then Negative One comes back out, throws papers in Negative uh, in uh, Evil Uno's face, and Amanda Huber, the widow of uh, John Huber, uh, says that they need to get back in the ring. That not here, not in Rochester. You need to get back in the ring. So huge spots on the outside. Dark Order pick up the win in Rochester after finally coming together. This is a big coming together moment. We all know the Dark Order have been in a moment of dissensions. We do I don't know if this is going to the the dissensions going to continue after Rochester or if Rochester the whole plan was done for them to have a, a split up story up until they get to Rochester for a big come together moment. Um it could go either way. I think they have more story to tell especially Hamming Adam Page. So there's definitely more story to tell in other places, but if they stay together, I, I you know this, this they told a full story either way. Uh, the, my, some people might feel like it ended short, but you know they 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 did it for a reason for them to end up in Rochester and come together for that. So either way, I can't be too too mad no matter where they go with it. Moving on to our next segment, Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year. They cut a promo. Lambert cuts a banger of a promo coming at everyone's necks from the fans to the backstage to the promotion itself of AEW. Just cutting at everybody's necks, Dan Lambert. The only thing I'll say about it, it was very, very fast. He, he had like bullet points in his head and he got to every bullet point. Bang, 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 bang. He just ran through. I wouldn't say maybe fast is not the right word, but his pacing definitely didn't allow a lot of people to digest the comments. So I, after going back and listening to it again, after listening to it the first time live, um, he still he banged through those. But, you know, to, to hear it again, it was good. Scorpio Sky runs through his resume and includes the Sonic ring that he won. Uh, you know, like the the face of the Re- revolution sonic ring, if you will. I laughed out loud to that. I thought that was hilarious. And then Ethan Page, uh, he believes that he's being overlooked uh, week in and week out, that he he deserves to be in the show open. He deserves, you know, more opportunities. He just, you know, the type of heel promo that he gets. And Page did a good job neutralizing the what chants that were coming from the crowd. Uh, by never stopping in a way that like he always looped what he was saying from one point to the other. So usually, you know, you go through a promo and then you stop and then you get the what and then you stop and then you get the what. He kept on looping it and looping it and looping it where uh, every time he finished a sentence that he was going over into another sentence already, which neutralized the what chance. So good on, on page. I'm recognizing that there. Solid promo for Men of the Year and Dan Lambert. I see, I'm excited to see what happens going forward, especially with all these UFC guys coming up uh, through AEW for whatever reason. So uh, it, it definitely could be a fun ride. All right, moving up to our next match, Penelope Ford and the Bunny take on Anna Jay and Ty Conti. Uh, this is a classic AEW 920 Eastern women's match. You know, we always see it around 920, 930. You're going to have a women's match coming up. And uh, we had it here. Uh, fun match. Fun match. Obviously going to go in the way of uh, Anna Jay and Ty Conti because of the Dark Order connection and being in Rochester. Ty KO on the outside to Bunny in a Queen Slayer locked in by Anna Jay to win. Negative one runs out and hugs both Anna Jay and Ty Conti in a very, very nice spot. Moving on to our next segment, MJF, and he cuts a promo. 
And that's one thing I felt like I missed out on going to Grand Slam is that we didn't get an MJF promo. But glad we got one in Rochester. He opened it up with the the line of the night. You're from upstate New York, pipe down, pipe down. And being and going here, going to Ithaca College, I've I'm technically if you go by the standards that people talk about in New York State, that this is central New York and you know, upstate New York is only a very, very small part in the top of New York. If you're above the Bronx, you're living upstate. I don't really care anymore. If you're, maybe I'll stretch it up past, you know, uh, Westchester, Yonkers. You know, if you're above Yonkers and stuff like that, you're upstate. I'm, I'm done arguing. I'm done arguing. It, and it's not even about a geographical thing. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural idea of what, of what it means to live in upstate New York. You know, if you're na- if you're closer neighbors to cornfields than you are buildings, you live upstate. Point taken there. Anyway, now that my rant is over, MJF promo, and this is what I was talking about earlier. He had the four pillars of AEW. He mentioned Jungle Boy as one of the pillars, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and himself, and these are the four homegrown guys of AEW. These are the four cornerstones, the four pillars, if you will, the four pillars that that MJF called them that will hold up this company for years to come, as he mentioned, because these are homegrown guys. These are very, very, very young guys. I think Jungle Boy is 24. Um, Guevara is very young. MJF is very young. All young guys. So to think that the the future of this company on, on the back of these four men, AEW is in a really good spot. A really, really good spot to hang their hat on these four guys. Uh, it says that he's going to call Bruce Pritchard that he has on speed dial from his MLW days if he doesn't get what he wants, and that is an AEW World Championship opportunity. Darby Allen enters, and MJF calls Allen uh, the second best, or like you know, it's okay to be second best. MJF compares himself to Jordan and Gretzky and Babe, while Allen, you know, he's Lou Gehrig and Scottie Pippen and Mark Messier. You know, he's 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 a fantastic number two, but he's still number two. He's not number one. MJF also brings up how Allen uh, is straight edge, and only because his uncle died in a car accident. And I'm not, I know I'm laughing about that, but I'm laughing in a sense of like, wow, you really came out your face and you said that, MJF. Imagine being in the crowd and hearing that. The re- the audible reactions from the gasps there were immense, definitely immense. I love MJF. I love Allen. They're, they're going to have a fantastic match at Full Gear because I can only assume that this is where it's leading to for them two to have a match at Full Gear. I'm going to say it now. I think MJF goes early uh, over, as I stated now, because MJF at one point or another, I don't know if it's going to be sooner or later, but MJF, well, one, he doesn't have a championship to his name yet. So a lot of people think, yeah, you have to at least get the TNT championship first before you go get a uh, the AEW championship. But maybe in, in this sense of the world and, and how we're living watching AEW, MJF, in my opinion, is not only the greatest heel in wrestling right now, He's arguably top five heels in pro wrestling history at the moment. And I know I might sound like uh, I'm overreacting or it's too much, but in today's climate and in today's world of pro wrestling and how heels are made to look, he just goes back to the mold of saying what he needs to say and have no fear about saying it. He's fantastic on the microphone. He, he's, he's bulletproof on the microphone. No one touches him. No one touches him in in wrestling today, and it's very fair to argue that no one touches him 
uh, and not no one, but there's a very, very few that touch him from wrestling's past. Very, very few. His microphone work is second to none right now, you know. Like, if I had to pick a guy to cut a promo, you know, to, to, to get the crowd rocking and to, you know, people listen. People listen, you know. Like, men of the year, they're cutting their heel promo. And it was one thing, you had the what chance, everything like that. You'll never hear a what chant for an MJF promo. People are listening. People are waiting to hear what he has to say. When he has a microphone in his hand, ratings go up through the roof. Through the roof. All right. Moving on to our main event, Sammy Guevara versus Miro for the TNT Championship. Word that this match was supposed to happen at Grand Slam. Tough to fit all those matches in a Grand Slam as the card was. So I'm glad they moved it to Rochester, especially how much the TNT Championship means uh, to Brody Lee being the greatest TNT champion of all time. And even though obviously in the short history of the championship, being dubbed that is definitely an honor. And uh, being in Rochester, Brody, you know, Brody Lee's hometown, no better place to do a TNT Championship match. All right. And also, this is a question before we get into the match. Will the name of the TNT Championship have to change when Dynamite moves to TBS? Even though Rampage is going to have TNT. You know, TNT is going to have Rampage in that sense. Is it going to have to change in a way where TBS you now becomes a TBS Championship? Or do they make a new belt because they're on TBS now? Thoughts. Thoughts. You know, shower, shower thoughts. Miro using Guevara's necklace to choke him out early on. I even comment, they commented about that on commentary uh, prior to that actual action happening. So I guess good on Punk for recognizing that. Guevara gives, gains control on the outside, diving onto uh, Miro and then driving him into the steel steps. Miro uh, misses Guevara on the splash attempt into the corner and falls over and out to the outside. Guevara follows suit and connects with the dive over the ring post. Miro starts ripping off turnbuckle pads out of anger, and Fuego del Sol enters as a distraction. Miro is driven into the turnbuckle by Guevara. Guevara connects with the GTH, and a 630 Centon connects for Guevara to win the TNT Championship in Rochester, New York. What a moment it was for Guevara. You had golden confetti raining from the sky. This is the moment that people have all been waiting for for Guevara. Finally having his time in the sun now with the TNT Championship. The Spanish God finally gets what he's owed after the the years and years, the two years past uh, with the Inner Circle and all the time that he spent with Jericho being underneath Jericho's wing. Guevara finally has his time in the sun. Personally, and this is from a personal perspective. I know a lot of people love Guevara. I know a lot of people think he's fantastic. I'm not the biggest fan of Sammy Guevara. I think he bumps very, very well. I think he he's a fantastic in-ring competitor when it comes to putting on a show from that perspective. But at the same time, I, I've, I've never really been a huge fan of his moveset. I still feel like... It's, I still feel like I, I'm not saying this in a mean way or, or an angry way or anything like that. I, I really do. I respect them because, you know, to put on the TNT championship in, in that moment, you know, the company really has to hang their hat on you. So I, I'm giving him all the credit in the world. It's just that I don't like his moveset as much. I still feel like it's very backyardy in a way, his moveset. And I know you could say that argue about that for a lot of people in AEW, but for him, I think he's almost the poster child of it. His, his bumping is fantastic. I also don't think his mic skills are that good, to be honest with you. I think that's also a real reason why he goes out there and walks out with the signs and flips the signs. Um, 
you know, he throws the signs to the side because he's not really that good on the, the microphone, to be honest with you, Guevara. So, uh, listen, I give him a ton of credit. I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's a TNT champion. Miro had a fantastic reign. I was thinking that it was going to go past full gear, maybe towards winter is coming, if they do that again towards December. That's what I was thinking. Around then, they would they would get the belt off Miro, but now it's fine as well. Also, given the location it was in, a lot of people are correlating... Um, the seven hills of uh, Bulgaria, and that he had to go over. He had to go over seven hills, which he did. He went over seven opponents for the uh, when retaining the TNT Championship, and then losing it on the eighth. So all the stories and all the all the stars aligned for Guevara to win. It was a big moment. Just personally, I'm just not the biggest fan of Guevara. Um, I guess maybe there might be also something in my head from the comments about Sasha Banks. I know we're all past that. But it still sticks in my mind in a way because, you know, what he said was pretty vulgar. It was a lot of, pretty much. So, I give him all the credit. I'm happy he's a TNT champion. I'm not going to poo-poo him. It's just that I just want to be known that I'm not his biggest fan. I'm not a Guevara lover. You know, I'm not his number one guy. I'm not, I'm never ever going to be his biggest fan. But I do respect what he does in ring and I'm glad he's a TNT champion. All right, final grade for this show. Oh, that's a fun one. I'm going to give it a B-plus for Brody Lee. B for Brody. And I give it a B-plus in that sense. Um, just because, yes, there was a title change. Yes, it was a fun show. Um, I would have liked to see something different happen with uh, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson. You know, the, you could definitely had Lee Johnson take the pin there. That wouldn't have been a problem. Show more dissension with Cody Rhodes. Um even though the Dark Order match did happen, I thought it was a little um, much to have a 16-man tag. But I guess you, this this is the place where you're gonna have it, right? And uh, yeah, there did nothing that really blew me away in this show. Uh, once again, if people that love Guevara probably give the show an A plus. I'm not a big Guevara lover, so I'm going with the B plus here. But a B for Brody is how I'll sell it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about my actual experience at the stadium at Blue Cross Arena, something you're not going to want to miss. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on October 1st, 2005, TNA Impact debuts on Spike TV. The show featured the TNA debuts of the Dudley Boys, known as Team 3D, and the return of Kevin Nash. AJ Styles defeated Roderick Strong, Chris Saban, defeated Alex Shelley and Petey Williams, and Jeff Hardy and Rhino went to a no contest. Uh, Prior to this, TNA Impact was a pay-per-view only show. I remember uh, watching some highlights and stuff of them with NWA, and there was a pay-per-view only show at the time. Now, finally getting a TV deal with Spike at a reasonable time, uh, comparatively to, uh, I think in some markets, they used to be on at Fridays at 4 p.m., which is not a fantastic time for, for Impact. So they had a better time slot, and uh, ended up moving uh, to Spike TV. Uh, and even they, they had terrible deals in, deals in the past where they were paying uh, Fox Sportsnet to, to, they were paying them. Fox wasn't paying TNA, TNA was paying Fox to be on air. So tough ride early on, but found their way over to Spike. And uh, also a very uh, good correlation of today where um, we find out that there is a new championship coming about and also the correlation now of... Uh, how many years has TNA Impact been on TV? So, very nice there to see. And now even, you know, back in the day, TV deals were such a huge huge thing. Now they're making championship belts off of digital media. Of Now they're going to have a match on Impact Plus and YouTube and all the streaming services. So, 
oh, how times have changed. How times have changed. Either way, what hasn't changed is going to shows and going to arenas and going to events for these professional wrestling shows. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go to not only Grand Slam last week, but now this week I went to AEW Dynamite in Rochester. And wow, wow, what a very different, very different comparative to Grand Slam and Rochester. What I will say to preface everything is that I had an equal amount of good timeness. I had, I had a, the same amount of good timeness at both at, at, at Grand Slam and at Rochester, both in Queens and in Rochester. Um, though both had their benefits, both had their cons in a way. And uh, I'll just run through my day for Rochester. Um, ended up finishing up my classes for the day on Wednesday. Me and my boy John both said, you know what, we're gonna go. Tickets are relatively cheap. Uh, I think we got us with 20 bucks to go to this dynamite. And uh, Grand Slam, th- those were like 75 each. And we, we were high up, but it was still a good seat for uh, Grand Slam. We take the drive over, hour 45 minute drive from Ithaca College over to Blue Cross Arena in Rochester. Uh, we ended up parking in a parking garage a little ways away from the arena, but still good walking distance. Walked over the mighty Erie Canal. <laughs> that, that's a running joke between me and my friends, because in upstate New York, that Erie Canal um, travels a good distance. And the joke is to take a picture. Whenever you see the Mighty Erie Canal, you take a picture by it, and it's like, oh, it's the Mighty Erie Canal, even though it doesn't really move that fast. <laughs> the Mighty Erie Canal. Either way, um, we get into the arena. They're very uh, COVID strict. Uh, for for Grand Slam, walking into Arthur Ashe, to be honest with you, I barely showed my uh, Excelsior pass for my COVID vaccine, and they just let me in almost two seconds. For Rochester, I had to show photo ID and the vaccine from the Excelsior Pass. The names had a match and everything like that, which obviously it did. I, have my, I got my two shots, so I'm good. It's just that it was very more strict. And um, the masks was a lot more prevalent in Rochester than there was in Queens. But you know, we walked inside, but we could kind of see why. In, in Arthur Ashe, it was a stadium. You know, that was big. That was 20,000 people filling up a, a stadium. You know, it wasn't really filling up. It was, it was huge. You go to Rochester, Blue Cross Arena, Night and day, night and day. Imagine going from twenty thousand to I'm guessing about six thousand, pushing it six thousand at Dynamite in Rochester, and a very intimate, intimate, intimate feel. We felt like we were right on top of the ring comparative to Grand Slam, and mostly because even though our ticket said Row D, we were as parallel to the ring as you can get. And technically, it said row D. We were first row because we were right up against the uh, a railing, so we were, we had perfect, perfect, perfect seats for twenty bucks. You can't get anything better than that. That's how I really felt. You really couldn't get anything better than that for twenty bucks. We were right on top of it. We got there early enough. We got there when the gates opened around. The gates opened at six. We got there around six fifteen. And comparative to Grand Slam, they were staffed. You know, there's people there ready to to do business. If I wanted to go get merch, which I did at the end of the show, I was able to go get merch. If I wanted to go get um food, which we did, I was able to get food. I got uh, two hot dogs and some fries. You know, I, I was able to do things. You know, I was able to actually interact with the concourse area and do stuff. Comparative to Grand Slam, where I just stayed sit in my seat the whole time because. Every line, if you decide to go wait on the line for anything at Arthur Ashe, you're waiting 45 minutes to an hour on the low end. 
You know, if you waited on the merch line, you're waiting there. You're missing the whole show if you wanted to go on that merch line. So either way, um, they, they did Dark Elevation to open at 7. And uh, they started Dynamite at 8. Sitting right next to us, to me and John, to our left, was a lady named Lisa. Lisa, and she was the one that printed out all of the Brody Lee signs at the event. She printed out every single one of the little uh, paper signs that were there that people were holding up in that first lower bowl that everyone saw. And she did fantastic job. Fantastic job. I told her after the show ended that she made a difference today because she genuinely did. You know, it was a big moment. You, 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 given that not only did people in the arena see that but a million people at home watching saw that as well so really good on her also the signs that she had for herself like her own personal signs are immaculate immaculate signs she had a ricky starks one i'd be a few Brody lee ones but these were immaculate signs she must have a, a, an art background somewhere because she did a fantastic fantastic job and even though we didn't sit in the lower bowl she had a few extra and she did give me one i have it right here on my desk and uh, i'll cherish that from uh, as a memory going over to rochester getting into the actual event itself once again uh it was very different to grand slam grand slam felt like a pay-per-view it felt like we were, we were going to a pay-per-view show because there weren't really a lot of promo segments. There was all just matches, but there were huge matches at that. You know, we were there for five hours watching, you know, five hours of wrestling because of Elevation, Dynamite, and then the special two-hour rampage over at Grand Slam. Here for the Rochester one, it was a lot more... Um, I felt like I, I got to be a lot more vocal. I, I, I was very loud at the show. You might be able to hear me in a few spots on television. But... Um, it was also a shorter event because it wasn't a two-hour rampage at the end. So went through Dynamite. The crowd was was very good. The crowd is very, very good. The Kenny Noball stuff was f- fantastic. As soon as uh, Brian said it, you know, oh, my God, look, it's it's Kenny Noballs. The crowd hooked on right away, and we were loud. People were loud there in Rochester. So uh, that I it went over well on TV watching it after the fact, and um, I'm glad it did. I'm glad it did because the venue itself is very small. The venue itself is very, very small. And I, I know I'm comparing it to Grand Slam, which was the largest venue in AEW history. But the venue itself was very small, very intimate, and they made it look big on TV. So I'll give AEW credit for that. that that's something that they did very well. They made it look big on TV, but the venue itself was like going from, you know, mania to a house show like that's what it kind of really felt like you know going for something so big and grand slam and grandiose and twenty thousand people over to something very very small must i wonder how it feels from a, a wrestler perspective from a talent perspective how it feels for going from such a giant venue to now something so so small in rochester so either way the shows with uh the crowd atmosphere is fantastic and i could have left and gone up to get food anytime i want and came back uh, i didn't want to watch the whole show but uh, I'm, I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went because now they're going to Philly. That's too far for me to go. Queens was was close enough for me to go also given the fact that uh, I live in Queens. That's my hometown. So that was easy enough for me to go. And now they're not going to be back in the tri-state area. Around, at least around, they're going back to Long Island December 8th. So they're going to christen UMBC Arena. But actually WWE gets there first. Uh, after Survivor Series, a week after Survivor Series. So um, I'm going to try my best to go to these shows, especially the ones in UMBC. I know I'm already going to Survivor Series, so that's going to be a fun time. But other than that, 
Rochester definitely was a, a good fit for AEW, especially in the early days of AEW uh, when Brody Lee was making it was supposed to make his debut there. Hardy was supposed to make his debut there in the early days when they weren't selling a lot of tickets. Um, that would have been a perfect spot. And now that AEW is getting real big, you got to wonder if AEW is going to continue to go to venues like that that are relatively small in Rochester. But you know. AEW is going to go back to Rochester year in and year out for Brody Lee. There's no question about that. We're, we're, me and John were having this conversation after we were leaving. And he said, like, you know, I'm not sure how he was saying, I'm not sure how often AEW is going to want to come back here, uh, given the fact it's such a small venue. And, you know, they, they can sell more tickets than this. We saw that they could sell out 20000 for Grand Slam. So why would they want to come back here? It, even if it's not for a Dynamite, even if it's not for a Rampage or something big, or a pay, obviously not a pay-per-view or anything like that, but... Uh, it, it might be for something small when they come back, or even if it is for a dynamite, they're gonna have to come back to honor Brody Lee. And I think AEW and Tony Khan is willing to take that, you know, fiscal loss for the week for the emotional boost for the locker room and to honor Brody Lee in a way uh, that can't be re- replicated any other way except going to Rochester. So um, that that's how they'll do it. I, honestly, I can see them doing it like. Almost every December. Why not? You know, around the time that he passed away, and going to Rochester at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's a. You get them both out the way at the same time, and uh, you honor a man that was a legend to uh, AEW and the world of professional wrestling. So I had a fantastic time. I can't wait to go back to another AEW show. It's gonna be weird now going next Wednesday, watching it on TV just regularly after going to AEW two weeks in a row. So. Odd, but either way, we'll work past it. But Jaden took on Rochester Strong. Took on Rochester Strong. Didn't have any garbage plates, but I'm going to be heading back to Rochester uh, in two weeks to cover an Ithaca College football game. I work radio for it. I'm going to cover that game for the against the U of R, and that's when I'll get my garbage plate. So if you have any garbage plate recommendations and you are from Rochester, let me know. Uh, let me know what the best spot is to go to. So. Uh, I can get my garbage plate uh, fix on and, and lose my garbage plate virginity, if you will, because I haven't had one yet. Either way, looking on to our next episode, WWE SmackDown. Uh, it's the draft tonight. It's WWE draft. I made a, a podcast episode way, way back, uh, giving my way too early draft prediction. So go check that out if you haven't. Uh, no matches or segments have been announced for tonight, but it's confirmed that WWE Hall of Famer Edge will respond to Seth Rollins. And also Sasha Banks has said that she will be appearing on uh, tonight's show after returning at Extreme Rules during the match between Bianca Belair and SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Looking over into Rampage, uh, Jade Cargo versus Nyla Rose uh, versus Thunder Rosa. A hair versus hair match between Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans with Matt Hardy. And Nick Jackson versus Brian Danielson. Uh, Brian Danielson's first match on Rampage. So, go on him. And uh, I've seen all three of those matches already. And uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> okay. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. Be a five-star listener and leave a review. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.